that you're the God of renewal. You're the God who doesn't let your people stay in the same old place. Lord, this morning, I just declare an atmosphere of renewal in the house. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to begin to wash over us, renew hearts, renew minds. May we begin to to line up with you in our thinking, in our feelings, in our attitudes, in our bodies. declare renewal over you right now in Jesus name that your strength would be renewed that your hope would be renewed that your joy would be made new just kind of stay in this place. I just, um, you know, when we were worshiping, I just sensed that the Lord was like that Holy Spirit was just sweeping through the room. You know, sometimes I, I love that how worship is so different every, every time we gather. Uh, sometimes it's all loud and crazy and we're just like victory dancing, you know, and just getting our worship on. And sometimes it's just like this sweet, quiet sense of God's presence washing over us. I just get that that sense this morning that Holy Spirit's just here to make things new. He, and, and so, you know, if you're in that place, like you just stay in that place. It doesn't really matter what I say. Just let Holy Spirit renew you. I'm going to preach, but you can just have your own encounter because sometimes those are the best kinds. I've gotten more out of messages uh, of people preaching and just the anointing on their life is releasing an encounter to me and I have no idea what their sermon was about, but I sure got one. (laughs) Do you you know what I mean? So I just encourage you to just sit in the presence of Jesus. Uh, Just because the the keyboard and the music stops playing doesn't mean that renewal stops. Because it's it's, it's not about having the right music. Just if the lights come up a little bit, like it doesn't all all of a sudden make us out of the presence of God, you know, because the lights and the music and the And all of that doesn't make the Holy Spirit move. It's hungry hearts that are turned towards him. I want to talk a little bit this morning about wells. And... A lot of you are going to be way more familiar with wells than I am because you work in oil. Oh, you know about oil wells, right? I'm thinking water wells, but maybe it should be oil since we're here in West Texas. 
I sense that the Lord's doing something really special in us as a family. I feel like uh, with the turn of the year, just our gatherings have been uh, marked with with a new depth that we're, we're like treading into new places, uh, in the spirit together. And I, I'm really sensing that the Lord's saying, Hey, that that's like supposed to not just be for corporately. Like this is a year where God really wants to release some fresh things in you personally as well. And I, and I believe that he just has new things that he wants to spring up in you, that there's just going to be wells, so to speak, just released in you, that there will be fresh waters, fresh living waters being released out of you. And whether that's because you're coming to Jesus for the first time and you experience that, or, you know, Miss Dorothy, this word's for you too. This word is for you too. I believe this year is going to be marked by fresh wells of living water being released in you. Just like you've never even experienced. I, I believe there's still a hunger in you, Miss Dorothy, for, for more of Jesus. And he hears your longing and he's like, I'm going to do it this year in 2020. That there's going to be wells released even in you. From the oldest in the house to the youngest in the house. God is no respecter of persons. You're never past your prime to have fresh things spring out of your spirit. And there's, there's so many scriptures about wells and we could spend hours going through them and perhaps maybe we'll even launch into a mini series of Pastor John feels so led and he can help teach and unpack things that he's way smarter to do than I am. So I'll just kind of throw out all the vision and all the strategy and then John can teach this thing out for you and really teach you about the Bible and all the words that are in there and what they mean uh, and some of those things. Uh, but, but wells, if you think about ancient times, uh, they're not only a symbol of life and refreshment, you know, so like what would happen is, especially in Bible times, they would go, they'd be like in wilderness. I, I don't know why in the Bible, they're always in the wilderness. That's not really encouraging for me. You know, personally, when I'm reading about my life, I'm like, why are God's people always hanging out in the wilderness? You know, can you give us like an oasis God? Uh, but here's the thing is uh, God's people always find life and water in the wilderness. So they would dig these wells. And so a well in ancient times would be a symbol of life and a symbol of refreshment, obviously. Okay. Cause there's water there, but also they were a symbol of community because what would happen is when they dug a well and reached fresh water, then naturally a community would form because there was something to sustain life there. And so, so they sustain community and they also provide a place to draw life sustaining water for families, for individuals, but a basis to build a community. And one thing that I sense that the Lord is, is wanting us to learn this year is how to come to the well on your own. Because, you know, a well can be a symbol for community. And so it's really easy to come to the well when everybody's there. But I guarantee you that in ancient times, if a well was your only source of water, you didn't come just once a week when everybody else was there. You would die. 
Your crops would not make it. Your animals would not survive if you only came to the well when the community was meeting there. See, in order to sustain life, you would have to come and draw your water, probably daily. You guys are quiet today. Is everybody good? Okay. And so if we begin to talk about spiritually speaking, there has to be a shift in the church and in us to say, I'm not just going to gather at the well when the community's there. I'm also going to learn how to go to the well for myself. And this, this works so well. Our philosophy of ministry around here can be summed up in one phrase, and it's called circles, lines, and tents. All right? So if you've been around us for, for a while, you know exactly what that means. If you're a guest with us, um, I had a vision several years ago. Um, multiple times, you know, it's like one of those things that the Lord gave me probably like 15 years ago. And then 10 years later, I finally got it after seeing it like three more times. Like, Oh God, God is probably speaking to me right now. Um, if you keep seeing the same thing from the Lord, that's an indication maybe that he's trying to get through to you. So, uh, anyway, I saw, I saw this vision and it was like our, our church body kind of as an army. Uh, and we were, we were at this big mountain and kind of like in a valley there. And, and there was all of this people. And John and I and some other leaders were standing up in a line uh, at the front of the mountain and we were teaching the people. And there was a large fire in front of us and everybody was in lines kind of getting instruction. Like, does that kind of sound like how you're sitting right now? All right. And then then I would see it shift and all of the people would go into to small circles. So there was just circles all over the land and there was fire in the middle of the circles. And then the circles would break and everybody would go to their personal tent. And in the tent, you could see the fire burning. And so there's a lot of that. You can look up this message. I've unpacked it in depth and I usually mention it each time I speak just so everyone's aware. Because this is like our philosophy of ministry is circles, lines, and tents. And the fire being the key component of that. Because everywhere that I saw us gathering, there was a fire burning that was a symbol of the Lord's presence. And so the fire is not just meant to be, uh, here in the lines, but we're, we're called to host God's presence. Well, to be healthy people who, who also live with a fire burning in our homes. And that's where it gets a little more difficult sometimes, you know, to steward the presence of God. Well, in your tent, in your home, in your interaction with your spouse and your children, in your day-to-day life. And, and so, so the lines would be like our Sunday morning gathering circles would be like small groups, uh, meetings of a few people together, and then tents are your home. And so, uh, when I, when I began to, to really dig into this whole study on wells and I began to see visions about wells, uh, this, this worked really well because basically what I'm talking about today is translating what's happening in our lines to making it happen in your tent because encounters are supposed to be a lifestyle. It's not supposed to be a Sunday morning gathering thing. The, the fire of the presence of God is supposed to be burning brightly within every believer, every place they go. Encounter is a lifestyle. It's not just a thing that happens in a line on Sunday morning. 
And so, so I believe that the Lord is really challenging us this year to say, there is some amazing things happening here in our lines. We're really treading into new places in the spirit. We're really encountering God in some new ways. We're really seeing him be poured out. We're, we're sensing his presence strongly, but what do you do to take what's happening in the line here and sustain it so that it begins happening in your tent? That's where we need to go this year. That's what I believe that the Lord is sharing with me, that that learning how to have encounters outside of the line in your circles and your tents. And so I want to I want to look real quick at an encounter at a well, uh, a famous one. And uh, it's one of my favorites. In fact, I think the last time I spoke, it might have been on this passage. I'm not going to get into all those things. I'm going to look at it a little bit more surfacely here. Uh, this is in John four. I'm going to be reading out of the Passion Translation, and uh, I really love the the little title of this one. It's called A Thirsty Savior in my Bible. Isn't Isn't that fun? So this is about uh, an encounter here at a well. So I'm going to begin in verse 5. Jesus arrived at a Samaritan village near the field that Jacob had given his son Joseph long ago. And wearied by his long journey, he sat on the edge of Jacob's well. And he sent his disciples into the village to buy food, for it was already afternoon. And soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, give me a drink of water. Surprised, she said, why would a Jewish man ask a Samaritan woman for a drink of water? And Jesus replied, if you only knew who I am and the gift that God wants to give you, you'd ask me for a drink and I would give you living water. And the woman replied, but sir, you don't even have a bucket and this well is very deep. So where do you find this living water? Do you really think that you are greater than our ancestor Jacob who dug this well and drank from it himself along with his children and livestock? And if I was Jesus, I would just be like, yes, yes, I do. In fact, I am greater than him, but he doesn't because Jesus isn't me and he's not as fleshly as I am. So Jesus answered, if you drink from Jacob's well, you would be thirsty again and again. But if anyone drinks the living water that I give them, they will never thirst again and will be forever satisfied. For when you drink the water I give you, it becomes a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit springing up and flooding you with endless life. Whoa. And so the woman replied, I love this. Let me drink that water so I'll never be thirsty again and I won't have to come back and draw water. Don't you love it? I love, I, I just, we've been reading through the gospels as a church and I'm just like, I think I would be just like the disciples, you know, like Jesus says something and I would be like Peter, the one who's blurting out like, so what does that really mean? You know, I know you said that plainly, but is that, you know, like, are you talking about because we didn't bring bread? Uh, you know, that would be me. Like, 
like this part, you know, Jesus like throws out this amazing thing about this living water and he goes totally spiritual. You know, he's talking about her spirit and she's just like, that would be amazing because this is a lot of work. So where do I get this living water? Cause that would, that would just be so cool if I didn't have to come draw my water every day, you know, and it's Jesus, you know, he's just like, bless your heart. <sighs> I think they should, I think they should make a, a southern version of the Bible. Like, can we get a translation? Cause I feel like Jesus would say that a lot. Bless your heart. <laughs> Jesus says, go get your husband and bring him back here. You know, he just doesn't play by the rules. He just ignores what people say and they're just fleshly understanding of what he's trying to do. He goes straight for the heart of the matter. And she says, I'm not married. And he says, you're right. You've been married five times and the guy you're with now, yeah, he's not your husband. And it starts getting like, ooh, you must be a prophet, she says. <laughs> you think? And they have this whole interaction and, and then she's just so distracted by asking about religious customs and laws. But, but what I want to talk about here, and, and there's like this whole other thing about her being a Samaritan. If you want, if you want to know all about that, listen to my last message about the Holy Spirit breaking down racial barriers. If you want a whole sermon on overcoming prejudice and loving people, I preach from this same passage with a whole different outlook. But I just want to look at what's happening here with living water and that Jesus has this promise of of releasing something amazing in this woman. Th- this whole story in it is so beautiful in the big picture. When you when you look at it, Jesus is the well, sitting on a well, offering to release a well into this lady's heart, and it's it's like what is going on here? Because see what happens is he's wearied by his journey after this whole interaction and he says she she's she's telling Jesus, "Well, we're waiting for the Messiah." And he's like I'm that dude. He finally is that, that blatant, like you're talking to him. He is standing in front of you now. She drops the water jug and she runs off. And the disciples are like, Hey, Jesus, why are you talking to her? Here's your food that you needed because you were so weary. And Jesus says, I don't need any food. I had a meal that you know nothing about. And they're like, somebody give you food? You know, they're, they're the disciples are again. Where did you, somebody bring you lunch? Uh, I thought that was our job. We were going to get you food. And, and he says, I've eaten something that you know nothing about. And so in the big, beautiful picture, so you see Jesus is coming. The sinner comes to Jesus and drinks and is satisfied. Jesus drinks of the sinner and is satisfied because that's the way it works. And sometimes I think that we can get to this place where we think, yeah, Jesus is the well, and I want to be able to learn to come to him. I want to have these encounters. I want to get something from him, but I don't, I don't want to be somebody who just comes to Jesus to get something all the time. If that's your excuse, you might be a Pharisee because here's the thing. When we get to know Jesus, then we understand that it satisfies his heart when we come before him and partake of his goodness There, there's nothing totally selfish in coming before Jesus and saying, I need you to do something in my life. I need you to renew me. I need fresh joy. I need fresh hope. I need a drink of your living water. 
Because when you really begin to interact with him like that, you sense his satisfaction back in you where he begins to be satisfied by our longing for him. And we are satisfied by his provision for us. It's so beautiful. And it's a place that we need to get there. The Holy spirit in you is gushing like a spring. I love this. Uh, For when you drink the water I give you, it becomes a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit springing up and flooding you with endless life. Now in there, the the verb for springing up, the Greek verb that's used there that I can't pronounce, uh, it's never used for inanimate objects like water. It's a verb that's used for people or living things, and it means jumping or leaping up. In other places, it translates this verse or the the verb right there for springing up as an activity of the Holy Spirit. So it's beyond just like, and there will be water rushing up inside of you. He's saying, you drink from me and there will be Holy Spirit activity jumping up and down in you, being released from the inside. That's what living water does. And so when we, when we encounter Jesus and we begin to allow him to satisfy us with his living water and we begin to experience that, the, the fullness of the Holy Spirit being released in us and, and gushing through us like a river, then, then we have this well that's been dug where his presence is released. And you know what? The thing about wells is we have to understand how to maintain, maintain them. Right? Like how many of you in here, your job is to help maintain the old wells, right? Uh, Cause they have to be maintained in order to keep producing. Well maintenance is very important. In fact, I researched water well maintenance this week. It's fascinating. I don't know if my notes are up here, but I'll, I'll summarize it for you. Regular maintenance of your well is required to ensure the continued safety of your water and to monitor the presence of any contaminants in it. You have to test your water regularly if you have a water well to make sure that there's nothing contaminating your water because if your water gets contaminated, it's no longer safe for you to drink. And so there's like this whole thing about like, all the steps that you have to do to take care of your, your water. Well, I'm sure oil is the same way. You have to check that you have to make sure that everything is coming out clean. And so you have to maintain the well. So what does well maintenance look like in the natural? If we're testing water and we're doing all this thing and making sure it's not contaminated, then how does this translate to the spirit? It's the same thing. What does your Holy spirit? Well, maintenance look like it looks like you coming before Jesus and having an encounter with him and checking for foreign contaminant, worldly contaminant, and making sure that it's not beginning to, to stifle the water of the Holy Spirit. And so that's what I'm talking about. This has to be done more regularly than Sunday morning. Um, if, if, if I can, I'd like to just be very practical with you right now. I'd like, I'd like to just share with you. What does well maintenance look like for me personally? This is what it looks like every Tuesday. 
Every Tuesday morning, I drop Aralee off at her Mother's Day out. So it's a morning that I have no children at my house. It's glorious. I force myself to go home, not run errands, not do all of the things that I should be doing with no children. I go home and I turn on worship and I read my Bible and I lay on my living room floor until Jesus comes. I, sometimes I start with, I, it's not a formula. Like sometimes I read my Bible. Sometimes I, I just pray. Sometimes I'm just worshiping for a while. Sometimes I dance around like a crazy person. Like if you think my worship's crazy here, you should see it in my private Jesus time. But I, I basically am just saying, God, I'm going to sit here until you come because I just want to be with you. And I'll take an hour and a half or two hours every Tuesday for well maintenance One of the first things I do is I lay my heart before the Lord to make sure it's clear. It's just say, God, is there anything in my heart that's offending you right now? And, you know, almost every week there is. Tuesday mornings are a lot of forgiveness. A lot of just like being honest with the Lord, laying down disappointments recognizing fear, allowing him to go to deep places. Like a couple of weeks ago, he uncovered stuff that I was like, what, you know, cause see the more you go, the deeper you allow God to dig in your well, the more he'll clean out. And the deeper it is like, you haven't seen it in a while. You didn't know that was really there, but I, I just listen to God's voice. And when he points something out, see, I trust him. I trust Jesus to be the one to clean out my contaminant. I trust him to point out where I need to be. Some of you guys could probably point out all kinds of things to me uh, about things that are contaminating my life. But see, I just listen to, to the Holy Spirit because he'll tell me what needs to happen. Because when you get really still and quiet and you're trying to connect with the Lord and you're offended at somebody or you're bitter or you have unforgiveness, it's, it's hard or you're just disobedient, you know, like God asked you to do something. You're not doing it and you're trying to connect with him and you're like, how come I'm dry? Well, cause your well is stopped up cause you need to clear it out. You need to ask for forgiveness. You need to release forgiveness. You need to, to just experience God's goodness. You need to be renewed. And it can be the smallest things. It can be big things. My time with Jesus, sometimes I can spend two hours clearing out contaminants. Sometimes it's two minutes. And then I just get to worship and let him love on me and ask. And and see, the thing about this time, this is not about me being a pastor. Tuesday morning is not about researching the Bible for a sermon. I absolutely will not use my time for that. Because it's about me and Jesus. I, I'm sorry, I don't pray for you guys on Tuesday morning during those two hours. I, I'm not asking for, for Jesus to do amazing things. I'm not searching for strategy for our church. I'm not coming to him as a leader of living way, asking, oh God, would you do this in our church? I'm coming to him as his daughter saying, oh God, my heart, would you come and have your way With me, would you come and speak to me this morning? Would you come and open the scriptures to me? Not, not because I need a message, 
but because I need your life, because I need a drink from the well. See, we have to learn how to drink on our own. We have to learn how to leave the line where we're getting filled with this amazing drink on Sunday mornings and be able to translate that into our tent. And, you know, it makes me a much nicer mom. It makes me a much nicer wife. It makes me a much better leader. All of these things because I'm connected with Jesus. That's what well maintenance looks like. Those are the things I'm talking about. Now, listen, if you've never encountered Jesus like that, you might be horrified right now to think of trying to spend two hours being quiet and still, and you might be overwhelmed thinking, I don't even have two hours in my life, Ashley. That sounds really fantastic for you. And congratulations that you're a pastor, but the rest of us who live in reality can't do that. Let me tell you, how I came up with this three years ago at a women's retreat. I had a radical encounter with Jesus and he told me you make time for me. If you want to go to a new place, if you want to see depth in your life, if you want to, then, then I need you to regularly meet with me. And I thought, I don't have any time in my whole life. You know, Jesus, cause you gave me these amazing children that are so loud and high maintenance that there is no quiet time. There is not, it's just not going to work. I am not a morning person. I can try to get up at 6 a.m., but it's never productive. I've tried that many times in my life and I've done it out of sheer discipline. And I just sit there and I get nothing because I'm just like, can I just drink coffee and not think right now? But I knew there was a longing in my heart. I knew that, that was a word from the Lord to say, you must make time for me. And so I sat down and I threw open my calendar and I thought, I'm just going to write down everything I do for the whole week and see where can I pencil you in, God? Isn't that the greatest heart ever towards the Lord? I'm just being super honest with you guys today. But I thought, I, I, I sense that the Lord wants me to be this practical for you. To just break it down to say, this isn't, this isn't hard. So I, I, I looked over my whole schedule to say, when, when could I make time for this? And so that's how I came up with Tuesday morning. Now, Tuesday mornings before usually meant I was coming to the office. I was working on some things like that. I would do my grocery shopping without kids, um, whatever needed to happen without children. I'd schedule meetings, um, and, And when I looked at that and said, in the grand scheme of life, me not coming up here to the office for two hours and me spending two hours on my floor with Jesus is going to serve all of you way better. Then I said, okay, Lord, I'll give it to you. And sometimes it's an act of my will to just force myself to drive home instead of stopping somewhere else. I don't answer phone calls. I don't answer texts. I have a a little piece of paper because if you're like me, once I get still and quiet, I think of 407 things that I need to be doing or that I will forget that if I don't do it right this second. Oh, that person, I should call them and check on them, right? Anybody else trying to still your mind? So this is what I do. I get out a piece of paper and I set it on my coffee table. And while I'm practicing being still and silent before Jesus, when I'm like, Oh, I should have called that person. You know what I do? I get a pencil out and I write, call that person. 
take it out of my brain and deposit it on the paper. Okay, Lord. Oh, shoot, I had to pay for the school pictures, and I almost forgot. Write the check for the school pictures out of my brain onto the paper. See, because most of the things that are coming up don't need to be done right then. It's fine if you do it in two hours or an hour and a half or one hour. Some of you might need to start with 30 minutes. Train your mind to be still so that you can engage with God. And whatever you need to do to help get rid of distractions, then do that. So that's what that looks like for me. Welcome to my brain. Welcome to my life. Um, And so I just mind dump, you know, anything that's coming in, I just write it down. Because then I don't have to just force it out and and have it looming like I'm going to forget that. So it's there. Then at the end of those two hours, I can get out my piece of paper and I can start the to-do list. Oh, I'm going to call that person. Oh, I'm going to write the check for the school pictures. Oh, I have to do this. And oh, I forgot this for dinner and I need to go to the grocery store. All those things can happen after my time with Jesus. And see, there's something that happens when you make it a priority. You know, for the first couple of weeks, it might just be you being still and quiet and reading your Bible and forcing yourself to do it. And you're just like, I don't feel like this is really fruitful, but the act of obedience of positioning yourself before the Holy spirit, whether you feel anything or not will produce great fruit in your life. Because the last time I checked, none of us as believers are supposed to be gauging our encounters with Jesus on our feelings. If I lay on my floor and feel nothing the whole time, I will get up and I will say, thank you, Jesus, for time of quiet and stillness. And I trust that you are always working because your word says it. And I trust that if I didn't hear anything that I need to deal with today, that my heart is clear enough for you. And I have given you my time out of obedience. And now I'm going to move on with my day. Thank you, Jesus. That's what well maintenance looks like. Checking your heart, clearing your heart out from anything, any attitude, any bitterness. And sometimes, you know, sometimes you might find yourself, if you're not used to well maintenance, you might find yourself in a whole other category beyond maintenance. And you just discover that your wells have actually been filled in and they just need to be redug altogether. There's a story in Genesis 26. I'm getting close to closing. Is everybody good? All right. I didn't write down where it starts. Let me see this. All right, so we're going to start. There's a famine in the land, okay? And Isaac is in Philistine territory in the middle of famine. And in verse 12, it says, When Isaac planted his crops that year, he harvested a hundred times more grain than he planted, for the Lord blessed him. And he became a very rich man, and his wealth continued to grow. Now, the New King James Version, I love that. It says, And so he prospered, and he continued to prosper until he became very prosperous. Isn't that interesting? I love that. And so he prospered and he continued to prosper until he became very prosperous. 
in the middle of the enemy's territory in famine time. Can I just, this has nothing to do with what I'm preaching on, but can I just say that God's people, that's the way we're called to live. You're supposed to be prospering, continuing to prosper and become prosperous in the kingdom in the middle of places that you shouldn't be prosperous. If God has planted you there, then you can bear fruit and be a prosperous person. I'm not talking about just money, although I think that's fine too. Okay. I'm not here to preach a prospering message on finances, but we should be doing that too. We're called to be prosperity people. He acquired so many flocks of sheep and goats, herds of cattle and servants that the Philistines became jealous of him. So the Philistines filled up all of Isaac's wells with dirt. These were the wells that had been dug by the servants of his father, Abraham. And finally, Abimelech ordered Isaac to leave the country. They became so enraged with jealousy that they're like, just leave, just leave our land. So we don't have to see you in all your prosperity. They filled in his wells so that there couldn't be community, so that there couldn't be life, and so that they could shut off his prosperity and just asked him to leave. So Isaac moved away to the Gerer Valley where he set up their tents and settled down, and he reopened the wells that his father had dug, which the Philistines had filled in. And then they also began to to dig their own wells too. But I share that with you because I think that there's a lot of us in the house, and this is going to be corporate as well. I'm going to share a vision with you in just a minute. But some of you have found yourself in a place where the enemy has just begun to fill in your wells because of tragedy, because of the work of the enemy in your life, whatever it is, that your wells are just completely filled in. And I just sense that the Lord is saying, hey, you can redig those. You're, you're called to be a person who's prosperous in the spirit realm. And so if your well that's supposed to be springing up and gushing and leaping out is being stifled because the enemy is filling it in, there's still hope because you just redig it. Move away from the enemy and then redig the well. Okay? I, Isaac has a good plan here. In the middle of his prosperity, his wells are, are filled. He moves away from the enemy and redigs the wells. In the fall, during uh, one of our worship times, I. I was up here worshiping and I, I began to just like, uh, see something in the spirit. And I, I was standing right here facing this way. And, and all of a sudden it was like, do you ever just see things like you? Some of you are like, no. Um, sometimes the way the Lord works with me is I just see things, right? And I think it's just a spiritual interaction. Okay. So it's not like it was physically here, but in the spirit, I was like seeing it. And I saw five, wells, like big circle wells that were, were lining up here and they were filled in. But I, I began to see like cracks and water beginning to bubble up in them. And 
my heart was stirred. Like, what is this? This is good. This is good. If, if I'm seeing something that's filled in, it's beginning to crack and water's coming up. This is amazing. Something here is going to be unleashed, uh, because the idea here is we want wells flowing. And so I began, I I just felt like I was supposed to just kind of respond physically to this. And so I just got down on my knees and I began to just move my hand back and forth, almost like I was just digging out that well and just clearing it. And the Lord said, you can redig these wells, but it's going to cost you something. And I was like, what do you mean? And on the side of the last well that had been dug or, you know, that had been filled up, I saw a hole and it was where I had been digging out of my own strength, a well out of my desire to see God do something. And as I, as I began to see myself redigging the wells that were already here, all that dirt began to fill in what I had been spending my life digging. And it was like the Lord was saying, are you willing to tap into what's already been deposited at the expense of what you think needs to happen? So I said, yes. This is what the Lord told me that day. I'm going to share it with you and then we're going to close. This is not just, this is, this is a word for us corporately, but this morning, if this is for you personally accepted, is that also, I am uncapping ancient wells, things that I declared would be a part of this church decades ago. All those good and abundant things are beginning to bubble up and the surface is beginning to crack. There will be a release of my river in new ways. And while it is a new thing, it is something that I spoke into the life of Living Way Church long ago. Places that have been covered by sin, apathy, tragedy, and transitions will be uncovered and tapped into. Indeed, you will drink of wells that you did not dig. Get ready for the abundance, for the river, for the well to spring up. I believe there's something coming for us. And I believe it's this year. I believe that the Lord is going to be releasing wells of living water, that there are things that have been spoken into this church from the beginning of its existence, 60 something years ago, 70 years ago. And the, the over arcing themes of those things that have been declared and deposited into the life of our church can be found in the four square gospel healing, 
miracles, Holy Spirit, baptism, missions, and evangelism. I believe those things are about to just explode in us. We've tapped into a little bit and we're going for it and we're beginning to see some things. But I, I really believe that as we, as a church continue to press into Jesus, as we begin to learn how to drink from the well, as we learn how to leave this place and tap into our own well that is within us and we allow Jesus us to continually work in us as we move from not just having this experience in the line, but also facilitating experiences with God in our tent, tapping into and receiving drinks of living water so that we're continually renewed, that the acts of that will also help unplug ancient wells that have been dug in this place by some sitting in this room who have been here since almost the beginning. Miss Dorothy, you know, you know, the life of this church. You understand the deposit, the rich history. Our, our movement was founded by two women who traveled from California to start a church in the middle of revival in Midland, Texas. We have rich history. And God, from the beginning of time, 70 years ago, has declared Living Way Church will be a church that releases miracles into their community that sees miraculous healing, who walks with people who are overflowing with the Holy Spirit. People who will go to the ends of the earth and reach people with my message. People who will be so moved by the heart of evangelism that they will flood the streets of their city with the good news. That is who we are. That is what is here. That is what is in our DNA as Living Way Foursquare Church. And those are the things that I believe that the Lord wants to cause to come up in abundance. Because while we have a rich spiritual history of God declaring these things, we also have a lot of nasty stuff in our history. Tragedy, trauma, sin, things done the wrong way. Because sometimes when humans get involved, it gets messy. But I believe that everything that the enemy has tried to fill our wells in with, that the Lord is like, my word is so much greater. Redig those things. Redig those things. Go for it. Go for it. Be the people who will dig that well to see miraculous healing flowing from our lives and from our people and from our family. Let's be people who will just go for evangelism of our city, who will go to the ends of the world with the good news. That's who we are. And so we get the choice We get the choice to come in here in our lines and continue to walk lightly into new things and just enjoy the well of his presence. Or we can be people who say, we're going to enjoy the well of his presence because we are the well and the world needs us. Our community needs a real well. Our community is built on wells. In the physical, they need a spiritual well to bubble up and give them that life-giving, living water of the Holy Spirit.
We can be those people. You can be those people. I want you to stand. The way I want to close is this. I I, I want you to just take some time personally with the Lord because I believe that some of you have some well work to do this morning. And and some of it may just be revisiting your personal history with the Lord. What are the things that Jesus has spoken over you? What are things that he's done in you? Encounters that you've had with him where he's shown up and done something in you, where he sparked passion, where he ignited something. And is that still there? If it's not, that might be the sign that the well has been filled in. And you may just need to address that right now and just say, God, I want to see that thing in my life again. So show me how to redig that. Show me what it looks like. Sometimes it's just a matter of addressing it and saying, oh, God, would you renew the joy of my salvation? Would you come and encounter me? Maybe it's just like you know there's this big, huge thing, this this big, huge trauma in your life that has just been like a boulder shoved down in the middle of the well. And I believe the Lord is saying it's time. He, he wants to launch that thing out of the well and release fresh water in your heart. He wants to encounter you freshly. And there still might be some of you in this room, I don't know, who've never even tapped into the well because you've never had a drink of living water because you've never given your life to Jesus. Your well hasn't even started yet. And if that's you, I encourage you to surrender to the Lord Jesus this morning to fall on your face and declare that you cannot do it on your own, but you need that life giving water, the living water springing up in you so that you're not thirsty again. Just like the woman at the well, you need to encounter Jesus like that. Maybe for the first time. Oh, Holy spirit, would you come? Would you begin to highlight all the good deposits that you've made in us? the things that have have given life to our spirits and allowed you to freely flow in us like a gushing fountain welling up from within. Thank you, Lord, for teaching us how to be disciplined and patient enough to listen for your voice, honest enough with ourselves to own the failure, the fear, and the mistakes, and repent. Oh, for every heart in this place, God, would you begin to uncap the wells of your spirit that were established in some of us so long ago? Renew the joy of our salvation, of coming to know you, of of encounters with you when we first met you. 
Thank you, Lord, for fresh passion bubbling up that stems from an ancient well of things spoken over our hearts long ago. Thank you, Lord, for ridding us of anything that would contaminate the work of your Holy Spirit. And thank you for continuing to go down deep, just like in in third world countries where you can't do a surface well because the water is so terrible at the surface that you have to go much lower to tap into something clean. For some of us, Lord, can you just teach us how to keep digging further? And God, we celebrate as a people today who you've called us to be corporately as a family. We thank you for the four square gospel coming alive in us in a new way as we encounter you as Jesus the Savior, Jesus the baptizer of the Holy Spirit, Jesus the healer, and Jesus the soon coming King. Thank you, Jesus, for pointing us back on mission. Because when your well is springing up in us, that's what it naturally does. It puts us on mission. Thank you for teaching us how to have encounter as a lifestyle and not just in a line. Thank you for radically transforming our tents because of our obedience to learn to drink at home. And thank you, Jesus, for pushing back the work of the enemy. The enemy who has seen us and become so angry at the side of our prosperity, at the side of our growth that he's tried to come against us and fill in the wells with dirt. Lord, push back the work of the enemy. And Lord, just in the spirit, move us away. Reestablish us. And God, thank you for the wells for our community. That we can build a community around these wells and not only get life, but give living water to those around us. We invite you to help us walk this out and to show us what this means because we don't really know but we will follow you. We will follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.